You are listening to the Forgotten News Podcast. But before we begin, here are a few words about a couple of other podcasts that we think you might want to try. Hi, this is Chris. And this is Kim. And we are the co-hosts for a podcast called The Mugly Truth. Do you like true crime? I love true crime. We love true crime. This is not a true crime podcast, but we are a true crime palate cleanser podcast. Absolutely. Just imagine you're sitting in a coffee shop and you just pulled a chair up to our table with your cup of coffee and we're all just sitting around having a chit chat. Yeah, join us. So if you're looking for a topic driven conversation with a few detours, some salty language, some off key singing, we're here for you. We are here for you. And you can find us anywhere you find podcasts. Tipsters, this is Melissa Morgan. I'm the host of Just the Tipsters True Crime Podcast because people are awful and they kill each other. Tipsters, this is Melissa Morgan, the host of Just the Tipsters True Crime Podcast. Have you ever wanted to kill anyone? Hey, Tipsters, my name is Melissa Morgan and I'm the host of Just the Tipsters True Crime Podcast, America's favorite true crime podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcast. I don't know where the, you can find us. How about that? And you'll really like it. Is that okay? Just the Tipsters with Melissa Morgan is actually available on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, review. You'll be glad you did. Welcome to the Forgotten News Podcast. This is your window to hear true stories from long ago. Stories that once made headlines. Stories that people thought would be unforgettable. Yet those stories were soon lost in the sands of time or were buried deep in the dustbin of history. In this podcast, we shake off the sand and dust from those stories and share them here with you as fresh as the day they were first told. And now, here's your hosts. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 32 of the Forgotten News Podcast. My name is Jim. My name is Kit. And thank you for listening. Well, first things first, I have a couple of announcements for our audience, and then we, uh, um... So, you would not believe what happened to me this morning. About 9.38, I was at my job, and... Wait, it was later than that. It was like 9.42... Two. Two. Okay. So, I was like, and she was like, oh my god, 
And she was like, yeah. And I was like, really? And she was like, no, totally. So I was like, oh my God, are you kidding me? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, wait, you are kidding me. Then she was like, no, I'm not. This isn't even a joke. I'm like, so you're not joshing me. And she says, no. I was like, wow, this is serious. And I don't know how, but she was actually joking. So, anyways, she was telling me this story, and it was, like, amazing. Like, no joke. But it was a joke. <sighs> wow. Wait. Uh, uh, what the heck was that? Well, Jim... Usually, we start off with four or five minutes of random banter about whatever, yada, yada, yada. So I thought I'd speed things up by simply doing a minute or two of banter <laughs> all by myself. <laughs> hey, listeners, you liked it, didn't you? You did. Yes, I thought you'd like it. Yay! <laughs> All right, all right, all right. But not only that, I also thought it would be a good way to make sure that the audience is listening, really listening, since you said that you have some important announcements. So go ahead, announce. <laughs> well, all kidding aside, I do have an announcement, and it really is an important announcement. Definitely not a joke. Listeners, this podcast is going to take a little bit of a hiatus. And just in case you don't know what that means, I will tell you. We are going to take a break from releasing new episodes for about 30 to 60 days. And in case you are wondering... The reason that we haven't decided on the exact length of the break is because we will be using that time to write new scripts and to record new stories, but without the added pressure of trying to release episodes on schedule or the emotional pain of falling behind schedule. <laughs> but... Once we are satisfied that we have a really nice batch of very solid episodes, then we will come back and start rolling them out for you to hear. Listeners, not only that, but we have a bunch of bits and pieces of stories that need to be transformed into episodes. By that, I mean we have some written scripts but with no audio, and recordings of quotes and other things for stories. However, with no script for the story or the episode. <laughs> there are probably 10 to 15 future episodes that we will be creating from all of those bits and pieces. So we just needed to carve out some time to be able to put those together for you. Anyway, 
we are also going to spend a little time to explore some possible new segments. For example, a listener suggested that from time to time, we read old-timey advertisements from 19th century newspapers. Like, if we see an ad that is weird or funny or that jumps out at us for some reason or another, we might do that. Although not on every episode. So, basically... We just wanted to let you know why you won't be hearing a new episode for a few weeks. And now you know. But we want to give you an example of the kind of great stories that you will be hearing after the hiatus is over. So, with no further ado, here's an incredible story from 1947 about a man who was falsely convicted of murder, and a dedicated newspaper reporter who proved him innocent. I think that is all the warning that is really necessary for this story. And as far as children listening, we'll leave that up to you. Parental discretion and all that. (laughs) And with all that having been said, on with the show. Our story begins, you know what, Jim? (laughs) I'm just going to let our guest narrator tell the story. And here it In the 1940s and 50s, Edward J. Mowry was a top investigative reporter from the New York World-Telegram, which was a major daily newspaper at the time. In 1953, he won the Pulitzer Prize for local reporting. In that same year, he was the first reporter to ever win the annual award for outstanding service in the cause of justice from the New York Criminal and Civil Courts Association. Now, what exactly did Ed Mowry do to win these accolades and so many others? In retrospect, the answer is not very complicated. He did his job, and he did it exactly the way a good reporter is supposed to do it. So, here is the story, along with the story behind the story. In the spring of 1947, Maori got a letter from a Lewis Hoffner, a prisoner serving time for murder and who claimed to be innocent. Now the truth is, Ed Maori as a crime reporter often received letters with tales of woe from prisoners who would swear up and down they didn't deserve to be there. Unfortunately, most of those letters were complete baloney. The letter from Hoffner, however, caught his eye and his interest partly because the convict said that a former assistant district attorney, Harry Anderson, 
and a New York City policeman, Bernard Arluck, both 100% believed him. In January of 1941, Louis Hoffner, an assistant theater manager, who was then 28 years old, was convicted of the murder of the owner of a bar in Queens, New York, in 1940. He was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Now, Hoffner was no angel. He had been arrested at the age of 19 for an assault and battery, but the case had been dismissed. He had been convicted at 21 for filing false auto registration and put on probation. And at 23, he had pled guilty to larceny and had been sentenced to prison. Yet with regard to the 1940 murder conviction, Ed Mowry quickly came to believe that there had been a miscarriage of justice. His first article suggesting that the police had framed Hoffner appeared on May 29, 1947, on the front page of the New York World Telegram, and it was a story that required Mallory to be a little sneaky. Hoffner was then an inmate at the Dannemora Prison in New York. Mallory had gone there in hopes of finding a way to talk to Hoffner, notwithstanding that the warden had recently sent a letter to Mallory specifically rejecting his request to talk to Hoffner. Mallory arrived at the prison wearing a suit and tie. He was standing in the lobby, trying to figure out a strategy to get inside, when he happened to notice an assistant district attorney walking in, along with some of the members of his staff. Mallory walked over, pretending to be part of the group, and then calmly strolled inside the building. He looked around, spotted a guard sitting behind a desk, to whom Mallory very casually stated that he was there to talk to an inmate named Louis Hoffner. The guard then buzzed an intercom and gave instructions for Mallory to be taken to a special visiting area on the floor of Hoffner's cell block. The prison officials were thereby fooled into thinking that Hoffner was being interviewed by someone from the district attorney's office. Prison officials also forbade correspondence between Hoffner and Mallory, but Mallory got around that ban by inserting his questions into letters that he had arranged for other people to send to Hoffner. In the course of his investigation, Mallory learned that only one witness had identified Hoffner as the killer, and that this witness had never really been sure about his identification. He basically let the police cajole him into fingering Hoffner. There were also witnesses who had never been called. Hoffner had named three friends that he was hanging out with in Brooklyn at the time the murder was supposed to have occurred. They were never called as witnesses. In addition, two men who had actually seen the killer flee were never called to testify. Often working on his own time, Mowry tracked down members of the jury, including the foreman. One by one, they all agreed that a new trial should be held. Mowry also reported that a cab driver, who had driven Hoffner on the night of the killing, was threatened by police with the loss of his license if he testified that Hoffner was with him in Brooklyn and not in Queens, the community where the murder had occurred. Despite all the new evidence, all motions for a retrial were denied. 
Maori's nose for injustice was matched by his eye for drama. After a new trial was refused in June of 1947, the front page of the newspaper was splashed with the headline, I'll wait for him, vows girlfriend. And Maori summed up Hoffner's entire situation in a single sentence. Quote, the bewildered youth had been jettisoned to oblivion by an apathetic, well-oiled legal mechanism that offers no succor to the penniless. Unquote. The case of Lewis Hoffner became more than a newspaper story for Mallory. Mallory helped to establish an organization called the Hoffner Committee, through which many prominent citizens of New York worked to have Hoffner released. But sadly, Hoffner's appeals were repeatedly rejected by the courts. Eventually, a clinching piece of evidence was found by Harry Anderson, a former assistant district attorney, who had believed and supported Hoffner long before Mallory got on the case. The lone identifying witness had testified at the trial that he had failed to spot Hoffner in the first lineup because he did not see his profile. But stenographic minutes of the lineup, which were never introduced at the trial, showed clearly that the witness did see Hoffner's profile during the first lineup. Judge Farrell ruled that this evidence, which could easily have resulted in Hoffner's acquittal, should have been introduced at his trial. Maury described what happened next in an article on the front page of the New York World Telegram on November 21st, 1952. Quote, In a drama-packed courtroom in Long Island City today, Lewis Hoffner watched the legal shackles of 12 long years melt away as Queens District Attorney T. Vincent Quinn eloquently pleaded for the lifer's freedom. A few minutes later, the diminutive convict, no longer branded as a murderer, heard Judge Peter Tell Farrell grant Mr. Quinn's motion. Mr. Hoffner stared a moment at the bench. He gulped and smiled. Unquote. In 1955, Lewis Hoffner was awarded $112,291 by the state for the 11 years he was falsely imprisoned. This is the equivalent of over $1 million in present day. He later got a job with the U.S. Post Office and moved to Long Island, New York. In 1978, Hoffner was quoted as saying, I offered Mallory $10,000 and he wouldn't take a cent from me. He was a wonderful guy. I asked him what I could do for him and he said, just give me a plaque. Just show me what you feel. Unquote. The plaque read, To Ed Mallory, the man who brought me back from the grave. Lewis Hoffner seems to have faded into complete obscurity after that, but according to the online database of the U.S. Social Security System, he passed away sometime in November 1985 at the age of 72. is the end of our story. Oh man, what a story. 
if you ever needed proof that one person can make a difference to accomplish something good in this world of ours, that story is it. An incredibly inspiring story. And it was a really big deal at the time that it happened. It was national news. And that reporter became a huge celebrity. He went on to have a long and impressive career. So it's kind of sad and strange that the story has been almost completely forgotten in the decades since then. Well, thanks to this podcast, a lot more people will know about it. And speaking of thanks, we will now thank our wonderful guest narrator. Please take a bow and tell our listeners a few things about yourself. Hey y'all, this is Brandy T, currently world-renowned for, well, not a whole lot, but tomorrow, best dress list, police blotter, who knows, I like keeping my options open. Listeners, we will now move on to the latest installment of our regular segment, Police Blotter and Court News. Except that on this episode, it is going to be a little different. Now, if you are a regular listener, you know that on this segment, we typically feature a list of maybe a dozen or so tiny tales of true crime from a hundred or more years ago. Crimes that were committed by small-time crooks and other random people whose name ended up in a newspaper column after the local court issued a sentence or made some other ruling in regard to their case. But after we finish our hiatus, we will be shaking things up a little. Every so often... We will dedicate a police blotter segment to a single story, rather than a dozen. It will be a story that will be approximately the same length as a complete regular police blotter segment. And on this episode, we will be giving you an example of a typical one-story police blotter segment. Our story on this segment is taken from a news report by the Associated Press on July 8, 1895, in regard to a crime that took place in the community of Guthrie in the Oklahoma Territory. Oklahoma would not become a state until 1907. The story, as reported by the Associated Press, is a condensed version of a much longer story, that was published in the Guthrie Daily Leader in Guthrie, Oklahoma, also on July 8th. However, our shorter version contains all of the major details. Now, at this point, we normally give a short warning regarding any possibly unsavory aspects of the segment, and this time will be no different. This particular segment revolves around a teenage girl and a crime involving liquor along with some racial undertones that might be offensive to members of our audience in the present day. And 
With all of that having been said, here we go. Police blotter and court news. United States District Court, Guthrie, Oklahoma Territory, July 7th, 1895. Blotter on the court. Blotter on the court. Mrs. Jenny Metcalf, alias Jenny Stevens, a very pretty girl, 16 years of age, was charged with bootlegging whiskey and selling it to the Osage Indians. Jenny was found in the Osage country, masquerading in male clothes. She was accompanied by Frank Wilson, a notorious outlaw. He was drunk at the time of his capture. Jenny Stevens, as she chooses to call herself, was raised on a farm. In recent years, her folks lived in the Creek Nation near Jennings, here in the Oklahoma Territory. It was there that she made the acquaintance of Bill Doolin, George Newcomb, alias the Slaughter Kid, and a number of other bad men. Jenny often listened to the stories of the crimes and other wrongdoings of the outlaws and eventually began roaming throughout the territory with members of the gang. Her arrest was finally effectuated by government officers. She was sentenced by the court to six months in the federal jail to be served here in Guthrie. I hereby declare this court is adjourned. And that is the end of our police blotter and court news segment of July 8th, 1895. We would like to express our deepest thanks to our guest voices on the police blotter segment. Please take a bow and tell our listeners a little about yourselves. Hi, everybody. My name is Elizabeth, and I'm the host of Underestimated, a podcast about the people, places, and things that are often underestimated in life and shouldn't be. So if you're looking for a podcast that is like uh, the center of that Venn diagram where an awkward host, a inappropriately timed dog bark in the background, and social justice storytelling come together, then this podcast is probably for you. You can find Underestimated wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Have a good week. Hey, it's Siren Star. I'm a multi-genre vocalist and video game music cover artist. I'm now exploring the world of voiceovers. You can find me and more of my work on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much. Many, many thanks. By the way... Jenny Metcalf, the girl in the story, later became a famous outlaw in Oklahoma, riding with the Dalton Gang and the Doolin Gang. But she eventually got tired of the criminal life. She met a nice, respectable young man and got married. Jenny then lived a quiet life, occasionally working as a bookkeeper. She passed away in 1978 at age 90. (laughs) And not only that, her obituary made no mention of her past as an outlaw. (laughs) So, in like a lion, out like a lamb. (laughs) Anyhow, during our hiatus, as far as the police blotter and court news segment, we will be putting together as many new segments of the police blotter as quickly as we humanly can within the time that we have available. Segments with many little stories and segments with single stories. 
All right, then. So maybe we should just move forward to the recommendations and advice segment. Do you have any recommendations for our listeners, Jim? Only that they not forget this podcast during our little hiatus. My recommendation is almost the same. Listeners, please be sure to start listening again once we start releasing new episodes 30 to 60 days from now. And when that time comes, I don't want to hear you telling me any reason that you might have for not listening. I don't care what it is, because it's just an excuse. (laughs) Okay, Jim, what's next on this episode? Well, I was tempted to read our most recent reviews on iTunes, since they are just plain awesome. But instead, I'm going to say, if you like the podcast, would you please, please, please leave a review for us on iTunes? But five-star reviews only. Got that? (laughs) Also, during our hiatus, we would still be thrilled to hear from you. You can send us an email at ForgottenNewsPodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Speaking of Facebook and Twitter, the next time you post anything, make sure you say something about how much you love this podcast. (laughs) And by the way, listeners, If you want to talk with me without Jim knowing about it, just send me a DM on Twitter. <laughs> My handle is at KitKaren. It's spelled K-I-T-C-A-R-E-N, but it's all one word. And while you're at it, be sure to check out my other podcast, Whispered True Stories where I tell stories of true crime and mystery, except I say everything in whisper. By the way, I'm getting super close to 10,000 downloads. So, hey, be sure to listen. And maybe you can be my 10,000th listener. (laughs) Whispered true stories can be heard on probably every podcast platform, and listening app on the internet. Give it a listen. Just thought I'd do a little plug there. (laughs) I think that is everything for this episode. Well, I can't think of anything else. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Ta-ta. See you next time. See you in... 30 to 60 days. <laughs> and remember, history is no mystery. Thank you for listening to the Forgotten News Podcast. You will now be returned back to the present day, and we hope that we can count on you to join us for our next episode.
the highest and noblest thing that history can be is a good story.